So it was the right call last week. Remember last week we didn't do the normal Monday show because even though there was a ton that went on in the conference, it was February the 14th and I had been traveling and working and I just knew it was going to take too long to put the show together on Valentine's Day. Well, it was about three hours of going through all the things that happened this week and I did the math in the conference. Aside from golf and any other non-games as it were, not including USF, there were 89 games played whether it's basketball, baseball, softball, lacrosse, tennis technically is matches, not games, but we're counting those. So head-to-head events, 89 from the conference. So we got a lot to get to, and we'll jump right into it with basketball. In fact, we'll go a little bit past the 15-minute mark with this one, and we might not give you as many details as we do on all the games, just the stuff you need to know. Start off with men's basketball and that key game we highlighted outside of Houston, two teams that are trying to get into the NCAA tournament without having to win the conference tournament, that is, met up. And it was SMU over Memphis, 73-57. to Kendrick Davis, the Mustang star point guard, was a star in this one. Hit 6 of 11 on three-pointers, scored 27, drained a three at the first half buzzer for a half-ending 12-0 run. It was 37-32, but Memphis had tied it at 41. That's when, boy, oh boy, did the Mustangs shoot out to a lead. 15-0 run, a 27-3 run. They end up winning it again, 73-57. Marcus Weathers had 20 points. Davis hit those six threes, but they also had 44 points in the paint a season high. So the Mustangs improved to 10-3 in the conference, 19-6 overall, a game behind Houston, of course, who they've beaten. And boy, did Houston have to work to prevent a third loss. You know how tough it is to win at Wichita State. And Houston and Wichita, this was a battle. It was never bigger than a six-point margin the whole way. It went double overtime. Wichita State's Craig Porter hit a three-point shot with 5.4 seconds left to tie it. But that was enough time for Houston to do a play that really Kelvin Sampson said they practiced. And that was their point guard, Jamal Shedd, going down and then finding a wide-open Jawan Roberts. I got to tell you, I'm not a fan of celebrating like you've won the game, or in this case, celebrating like you forced a third overtime. Porter was kind of doing that, yeah, with his hands up, and he and he went to cover the wrong guy, and Shed was allowed to drive in. Porter got back to try and disrupt the dunk, but Robert slams it home with 1.2 seconds left. Josh Carlton had 23 points and 11 rebounds for Houston. This was a dynamite game. Houston had 18 more field goal attempts and had 23 second chance points. Wichita State at the line had a 23-9 advantage, and here's the best stat. This was off the Wichita State website. Over the last four years, Wichita has won 23 games when shooting less than 40%. That speaks to your toughness. That is second in the country. You know, his first Houston, 27 wins while shooting 40% or less, and in this game, both teams shot 39%. What a battle. Wichita State is your eighth place team in the conference, and really not with much of a chance to get any higher than that. I don't think they're going to drop, so just spinning it forward, Wichita State will be in the 8-9 game, and if they win, they'll play the number one seed, which is probably going to be Houston again, and they show that they can hang. Now, they did have home court in that one. The other contest had a dramatic finish. UCF beating East Carolina on Darren Green's three at the buzzer, 69-66. They've won 14 straight versus ECU, but this year, they had to come from down 20 on the road to win in overtime. And in this game, the Pirates won an 8-0 run and led by 5 with 8 minutes to go before the Knights rallied. So UCF is in 6th place, a half game ahead of Cincinnati. East Carolina is in ninth place. 6th place, interesting, because guess who 
UCF would play if it ends up in sixth place in the first round of the conference tournament, the 11th place USF Bulls, but we're ways away from that. Remember when the Bulls beat Temple and Damian Dunn was hurt in that game? He missed two after that, returned over the weekend, and they won at Cincinnati. So the Owls are in the fifth spot, a half game behind Tulane. Dunn scored 15 off the bench. They shot 8 of 10 on threes in the first half to take a 47-33 lead and held on to win by four. Cincinnati drops into seventh at 7-7. Seven and seven. Net rankings come out over the weekend, and actually Memphis stays ahead of SMU, but only because it was so far ahead of the Mustangs, nine spots. More significant to note that SMU jumped from 51 to 46, while Memphis is in the 44th spot, so both of those teams still have a legitimate shot in making the tournament, and you look at all the projections, and they're either in the last four in or first four out. When it comes to the women's situation, of course, UCF is about to clinch the thing, USF is still in great shape. We'll talk more about it on Bulls Beat Tuesday morning. We're going to do a kind of a catch-up because we've got so much happening with the women's basketball broadcast tomorrow being on WDAE. But the long and the short of it is, not only does it look like USF is a given unless the Bulls really, basically in their last four games, you know, go two and two and then one and done in the conference tournament or something like that, they're going to get in no matter what. But now you have to look at Tulane as a possibility of getting in with an at-large because it was a good weekend for the non-power conference bubble teams. Let me tell you, we talked about this during the last women's basketball broadcast because we had that 25-minute delay. If all of the five power conferences max out as far as the upper end of what their projections could be as far as getting teams in the tournament, that's going to leave five spots minimum for the non-power conferences. Well, basically, SEC... ACC and Pac-12, and again, we'll flesh this out on Bulls Beat tomorrow morning, had things happen over the last few days that are going to take them one below their max. So we're talking about non-power leagues having as many as eight spots, which could open up a spot for a third American conference team to get in, namely for Tulane to get in. Now, they're still 72nd in the net, but have won seven in a row, a half game behind the Bulls as far as the standings go. 18-7 and overall, and of course, a win over the Bulls. So let's say USF finishes the regular season strong, makes the AAC tournament, is the two seed, Tulane is the three seed, but Tulane wins that semifinal, yeah. Now the Green Wave had to sweat this one out on Sunday, and talk about a team that's dangerous. Houston is tied for six, but they're hitting their threes now, and they hung around Tulane but lost 76-72. to This was in New Orleans. Houston led at the half. But 28 points in the third quarter, an 11-0 run to start it, 20 points in the paint. Still, it was tied with seven minutes to go, and Tulane closed strong. Arsula Clark, 15 points, six rebounds, six assists. Five-foot-six guard Moon Urson with 13 points and 12 rebounds. On the other side, Layla Blair, Houston, 23 points on 10 of 23 shooting. And Brittany Onyanjay, she's hitting those threes again, was 4 of 10 from distance. So Houston 12 and 13 overall, 5 and 8 in the league, tied for 6 with Memphis. The top five get a first-round bye, and it's looking pretty set thanks to that result that it's going to be in order right now. UCF at 12 and 1 in the league, one more win clinches the top spot. 20 and 3 overall, they're 25th in the latest net. You know why they jumped? We'll tell you in a second. USF is in second, Tulane's in third, SMU had a big win, and then Temple. UCF played in Philly against Temple, beat them 68-31. to First of all, the net ranking actually does take margin into effect. That's why UCF jumped six spots to 25 and why Temple fell, despite losing to a good team, 11 spots out of the top 100. The Knights now, in their last three games defensively, have allowed 33, that's to the Bulls, 
35 and 31 points. That has got to be some sort of record, and they only now are averaging allowing 48 and a half a game. Here's the crazy part. Mia Davis is still probably going to win Conference Player of the Year, but maybe not because in this head-to-head matchup with UCF's Diamond Battles being a candidate for Player of the Year, Mia Davis was held to one point. That is incredible. She is a given for double figures, and she was averaging 18.9 points. Now it's 18.1. Again, Mia Davis, one point. Remember when the Bulls struggled to score inside against UCF, and that was a big thing that Jose Fernandez harped on? Well, Mia Davis scores her points inside and could not hit a field goal. At least Temple was consistent. It made exactly three field goals every quarter, but didn't crack double digits in any of them. UCF had 20-plus in three of the four. And again, they clinched the conference with one more win. They played not again, though, till this weekend. Said SMU had a big win. Tulsa, man, have the Golden Hurricane fallen. They were 10-0. and They're now 14-8, and 4-7 and in the conference. And they got drubbed by SMU at home, 75-42. Yvette Mayberry, great three-point shooter, averages 14 points a game, was shut out in this one. It was 16-15 early in the second quarter when SMU put on a half-ending 21-2 run. Mustangs didn't hit another field goal. In fact, the middle quarters were 48-17, so SMU vaults into fourth place with that win and Temple losing. The other action over the weekend, East Carolina next to last place after beating Cincinnati, which is now in last place. The Bulls go to Greenville this weekend. ECU's now 4-9 in the league. They win 68-57. This was a wild game because the Pirates were ahead 25-8, and Cincinnati got it to 2, and their standout three-point shooter, Caitlin Wilson, had a wide-open three-point shot for the lead. Crowd was going crazy. Rims out. Tania Thompson, Pirates standout, hits a tough pull-up on the other end. She scores 22 for her fifth straight game, at least 20 points, and East Carolina pulls away with the 11-point win. By the way, 68-57, when the Pirates score at least 60 points, they're 11-0. When the Pirates don't, they're 0-15. Player of the week, by the way, Betty Menunga. More on that, of course, on tomorrow's Bulls beat. For the men, it was Ty Strickland. Averaged 19 points in two games for Temple. Freshman honors went to UCF point guard Darius Johnson, because in three games, the Knights played three games last week, he had at least five assists in all three. We know about what USF did in softball last weekend. Best record in the conference now. you got to take records here weighed against scheduling, and pretty much everyone's scheduling strong. While just about half of the ranked teams were playing in Clearwater this weekend, and UCF also competed, went two and four, so they slip out of the top 25. Their win against Texas was an exciting win and all, come back to win 15-10, to 10, but... Did you see that Texas was 0-5 and fell out of the rankings from the number 11 spot? UCF got shut out by Michigan 6 to nothing. Actually, Alex Storacco, who was the country's strikeouts per seven innings pitch leader last year, had her lowest number of the year, seven strikeouts. And the other win for UCF was an exciting eighth inning win against Texas Tech, where their Gianna Mancha struck out 10 in four scoreless innings, but they also lost Tennessee. So they did well against the future Big 12. (laughs) Go figure. Texas Tech and Texas were the two teams they beat. They lost to two Big 10 teams, SEC's Tennessee and Florida State, 8 to nothing. Now, Oklahoma wasn't in this event, was in Houston, and the Cougars definitely scheduled strong and went 0-5. They played Oklahoma twice, lost 13 to nothing and 8 to nothing. All five of the Sooners' games went the minimum five innings. They have outscored their opponents 95-2 to this year. Jocelyn Allo has seven home runs. Her homer yesterday ties the all-time NCAA career mark at 95. 
Wichita went two and two at the Razorback Invitational, down two nothing rally to beat Illinois, eight to three. Complete game, first start for Allison Cooper, a freshman. Got beat by Longwood, which was a letdown, four to two. Only had three hits, but then run ruled Western Illinois, eleven to nothing, and then lost to the host Arkansas, seven to four. They're actually down seven nothing in that one, so they're six and three. UCF six and five overall, despite the bad weekend. Only seven teams in the conference mentioned Houston. They're four and six, along with East Carolina. Pirates went three and two at their own event, but again, not the best competition. They split with Colgate. They beat Wagner twice and lost to Rutgers. Bottom two teams are Tulsa and Memphis. Tulsa is three and six. We told you last week they went one and four, but the one win was a comeback from down ten two. How about this? Their first game at the Louisiana Tech tournament. They were down 7 nothing and one run away from being run-ruled and scored eight runs in the top of the seventh, all against the starting pitcher who had shut them out. So you figured, here we go. Next game, they're leading going into the seventh, give up a run to Sam Houston and lose 6-5 in 10 innings. Then they blanked Sam Houston 4 to nothing. Samantha Pochop 9Ks, only to lose another tight one to the team that they had the big rally against, La Tech. Eagles scored in the bottom of the sixth and the bottom of the seventh to win three to two. So it looks like Tulsa has a flair for the dramatic. It's just not consistent whether it's going to be good drama or bad drama. Then Memphis at three and seven. And Memphis had a rough weekend in Fort Myers, beat Austin P, which was actually receiving votes five to four, but then lost two in order. Belmont eight to four, Boston College seven to two, Austin P in the rematch nine to six. And then yesterday against the hosts, lost a tough one by the count of 3-2 to two as they were up 2 nothing going into the bottom of the six. Eagles tied it with a pair and then walked it off. So Memphis 3-7, and seven, but they have definitely had some close games. Hey, guess who the pitcher of the week was in the conference? You guessed right, but we'll also tell you about the player of the week here. Sidney McKinney from Wichita State hit 438 with five extra base hits, including a homer in that event in Fayetteville. But with the results over the weekend, ultimately the Shockers going 2-2, two and two, and UCF 2-4, and four, your USF Bulls, are now the ranked and only ranked team in the conference. On the baseball side of things, again, scheduling. Two teams are 3-0, and but probably played the weakest opponents. Tulane beats UMass Lowell, and UCF takes care of Siena. The Knights win 12-0, 16-2, and 18-0. In the latter game, they decided it would be cool to steal nine bases. They had a 10-0 lead through two and scored runs in all but the seventh inning. The story is they got good pitching, or was it the opponent? Hunter Pattison, though, I've always liked him. Five innings, nine Ks in the finale. David Litchfield, who has been their closer, got the Friday start and went six innings and struck out eight. And then in the 16-2 win, four homers, including a Tom Jostin grand slam. Tulane was beating Mass Lowell, UMass Lowell, 10-2 10-2 in the first game, a freshman Chandler Welch from Slidell, three and two-thirds hitless innings out of the pen, five Ks for the dub. Mississippi State transfer Dylan Carmouche, six innings of shutout ball, seven strikeouts in the second game, 11-0. And then they had to fight to win the last one after blowing a 5-1 lead. The Silverhawks came back, but then a big hustle play gave Tulane the lead in the bottom of the eighth as it was Chase Englehart, an infield single, beating it out. And while he was doing that, Luis Avalez was coming around from second base. So two teams pulled off sweeps. Three got swept. The shocker was East Carolina, which is now the former 12th-ranked team in the country, as they lose to Bryant at the NEC. The NEC has never earned a sweep of a ranked team until this weekend. In fact, Bryant earned its first-ever series victory. Bryant is in Rhode Island, if you didn't know. I'm pretty sure. 
10 to 2 on Friday before a sold out crowd. 5 to 4, even more shocking in the second game because the Pirates led 3 to 1 before Bryant scored twice in the top of the eighth to tie it. And then 4 to 3 and another nail biter in the finale. Also getting swept by three different teams, and this was tough for Houston. They were leading 2 to 1 going into the eighth against Cal, which tied it and then scored 2 in the 10th to win. San Diego State beats Houston in another close one, 4-3, and then not close against TCU, 10-0. Wichita gets swept three relatively competitive games by a good Louisiana Tech team. That's out of that Conference USA, which, as we know, Charlotte is strong and Old Dominion is in the top 25. Memphis went 2-1, and one, almost 3-0, and oh, but couldn't contain the wind on Sunday. Before that, it was a 13-0 blanking of Valpo Connor Shamblin. A Bama transfer found the going pretty good in his first start for the Tigers as their Friday night starter. Six innings of one hit ball, seven Ks. Logan Kohler, homer and four RBI. Then in a 4-3 walk-off win, they were getting blanked until they scored three in the seventh. They couldn't get anything against Valpo's starter. He gets pulled, and boom. And then Valpo, the Beacons, by the way, if you didn't know they changed their nickname, win 10-8 as they had four home runs and apparently a Crazy windy with the wind gusting out day. In fact, the wind and the rain so bad in Memphis tomorrow's schedule game against Central Arkansas has already been pushed back to Wednesday. And Cincinnati had the craziest day and series, splitting with FGCU. Disappointing, though, because they won the first two games. 9-6, to six, they were up 7 nothing. Then they were up 5 going into the bottom of the ninth in the first of a doubleheader. Long game, but it was about to be over until the Eagles tied it with five runs. Still, Cincinnati bounces back. 15 to 14 in 11 innings. Paul Comastek, 5 for 6. That was a 5 hour and 15 minute game, and they played a full second game of the doubleheader. Wasn't worth it for Cincinnati. They were down 6 0 after 1 and lost 10 to 6. At least the game took less than 3 hours. Then a 4 hour affair on Sunday. FGCU winning 16 to 8. The Cincinnati pitching staff has an ERA of above 10. Player of the Week honors swept by UCF, Ben McCabe. Hit 750 with two homers and seven runs scored. And pitching honors did go to Litchfield, who again was getting a start for the first time. Lacrosse, pretty good start for the league in weekend two. Even their loss was impressive as the Gators pushed number two North Carolina before losing 15 to 11. Danielle Pavanelli scored a career high six goals. Lesser opponents, but East Carolina rolled twice, 17-7 against Winthrop and 20-3 against Presbyterian. Old Dominion, which again plays in the American for this sport, lacrosse, beat Radford 20-11. Temple beat rival St. Joe's 15-11. Vanderbilt, another conference team for lacrosse, edges Notre Dame in a great one, 14-12. And oh, by the way, Notre Dame's ranked 12th. Temple 22nd. And we told you it was a loaded up tennis weekend. Unfortunately, it wasn't great anytime the conference went up against a power opponent. UCF did win in Baton Rouge, but came back to Miami, got beat by the Canes, and then today by FIU. SMU did go to Waco, got swept by Baylor, but did beat Mississippi State 4-3. Handful of other power conference matchups did not go the conference way, but like the women, the SMU men knocked off one in beating Nebraska. That's going to do it for Around the American. Thanks for checking it out. I'm Derek Sharp.